This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Halls. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. In this bumper episode, we're going to kick off with Hell Hath No Fury, the latest film from Jesse Lee Johnson. Then we have The Boy Behind the Door. Wormwood Apocalypse is an Australian zombie movie. And then we have the latest from Steve Lawson, The Highwayman. After that, we've got The Next Girl and The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. And we're going to wind up our um, features with Faye. Our short shot is the martial arts spectacular Twisting Tiger. And then we're going to wind up in our DTV throwback with Feast. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film then is Hell Have No Fury. Set in France in 1944, Marie Dujardin, a young woman who has been branded as a Nazi collaborator, convinces a small squad of US Marines that a cache of gold is hidden in a long forgotten graveyard. But is she telling the truth? Uh, as I mentioned, this is the latest film uh, to be released from uh, Jesse V. Johnson, uh, someone who we admire a head of a lot here on the DTV Digest, um, very, huge fans of his work. And this has come about six months, six or seven months after its US release. So we all had to endure uh, US film Twitter going on about how wonderful this film is and... Uh, but we finally get it, and we finally get to see whether or not it actually lives up to the hype. And lo and behold, of course it does. This is great stuff. Great cast with the likes of um, Louis Mandalore, uh, Nina Bergen, and Dominic Vanderberg. Um, yeah, this is, you know, it's a, it's a riff on the sort of treasure of Sierra Madre kind of situation. Um, absolutely, you know, very well well sort of self-contained little story. Uh, Rich, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought it definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, what's, I mean, Jesse Johnson's, you know, like you say, we've got a lot of respect for him. We've followed his career uh, ever since the start, really. And, uh, it's, you know, especially covering all the stuff with Scott Adkins, which he's probably most recognised for recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he, he's a director with a lot of, ambition to try different things you know he's he's become quite known for doing things like debt collector and and um uh, uh avengement mm-hmm. but you know he can do um, much more than standard kind of action he likes to d- dabble in different things and in this case he's gone for a period you know ensemble uh war story still plenty of action but it is much more dramatic. Uh, there's, you know, he's taking a chance on uh, an un, a, a, a largely unknown lead. The, you say the, the Dutch actress and, and I believe singer as well, uh, Nina mm-hmm. Bergman and stuntwoman, uh, Nina Bergman, who I believe was the star of a Wonder Woman mock trailer that he made. I, I haven't been able mm. to verify that, but I'm pretty she, sure she, seen... she was in uh, his film, The Beautiful Ones as well. Oh yeah, she looks uh, more wrong Which, which I don't thing. believe has had a UK. That's never been released in the UK, no. It's a shame. 
that was that was him doing something quite experimental. It was, it was like black and white. That was All one of his films white. with yeah. um, Ross McCall, mm-hmm. who obviously is now a, an established director himself. He he'd done um, Green Street Hooligans two with him as well. The um, yeah, so we've got familiar, um, you know, um, cast, you know, from from past uh, jo- Johnson films, including Dominic Vandenberg, who Jesse started his career with his first. Mm. Two or three films were, including including a short film, were with Dominic, I think, and that um, they sort of reteamed after several years to do the Mercenary, which mm. was kind of sandwiched between all the Scott Adkins stuff, terrific sort of Rambo style action that one. Um, uh, but Vandenberg gets something gets to be much more dramatic in this one, which I think you know he's a supporting player, gets quite small. You know, a smallish role. He's unrecognizable in this as well. Practically, yeah. I mean, I didn't for a, for a, the first few scenes. I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was him because it's, it's, it's such so, a different, so different version yeah. of him. It's you know c- compared to the sort of usual sort of stoic characters that he yes. plays. You know, this this one. You know, he, it's very emotional. You know, the, yes. um, he's showing a lot more range than I, I I gave him credit for. Yeah, a very nuanced, you know, sort of emotional acting performance, you know, showing a lot of sensitivity as well as, you know, fierceness. He, he you know, he's, he's he's still a very fierce fighter in the film. Mm. Um, and we've also, uh, we've got, say, Nina Bergman in the lead. She's very striking, very impressive. Uh, Lewis Mandalore, the regular. But we've also got uh, Daniel Bernhardt, Daniel Bernhardt who, yeah. uh, you know, in the 90s, he was the heir to the Bloodsport franchise, had a had a very uh, solid few years as as a leading DTV action star in in the in the sort of uh, you know when everyone was after here's another um, mm. Jean Claude Van Damme like kind of kind of thing that was going on at the time, um, but then he moved away. You know the the, the market changed. He ended up doing uh, more sort of stunt work on higher profile, bigger budget films. So therefore, the the actual on screen roles were smaller. But he did turn up in things like The Matrix Reloaded. And he was, you know, getting together with um, the 8711 guys and he's done very, you know, he's turned up in Birds of Prey and different things, yeah. as well as still doing uh, the the odd DTV yeah. movie in various, I mean, he, he was a villain in a Chuck Norris movie called The Cutter uh, and stuff like that. So he's he's he's, he's a very all-rounder, Daniel Bernhardt. But again, like Vandenberg, he, get, he gets, I mean, he's, it's not a really, really dramatic role like Vandenberg's, to be honest. Mm. It's much, again, it's a much more stoic role, but it is more complicated, you know, a bit more, uh, a bit it's different. It's not black and white, is it? So, yeah. No, and, and it's a bit different to what we've mm. seen him do before. He's, he usually plays the hero. Uh, and more recently, we've, we have seen him sort of turning up as heavies and stuff like that, you know, fighting Jason Statham in Parker and, mm. uh, um, and Harley Quinn in, in Birds of Prey and stuff like that, but the in this one he's get he gets a lot of screen time. He he gets to play the key bad guy, uh, and uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's it, it's again he gets to be an actor in this one. It's it's not really that is this role for him doesn't unlike the others. He actually doesn't get a lot of action in this one. It's mm. it's very much about being that um, be, uh, being that sort of. Um, uh, you know that the, the evil Nazi kind of character, oh, yeah. you know, and he's got the scar and stuff, but it all plays out really well. And um, I think Johnson uh, tells the story really well. Like you say, it's a very simple one. It all takes place basically, for the most part, in this kind of graveyard setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but the 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 you know the the weaving of the story you know the twists and turns that we get things aren't black and white somebody one put uh, you might be on the character on one character's side one minute and then you'll completely turn against them but then you might be back on their side again uh, and it, it's one of those things where you know uneasily uneasy alliances are formed and all that kind of stuff so it completely uh, engages your interests for the entire running time and, and so you get more than just really good action you get very you know great character build, characters as well yeah definitely and you know one little thing rich um nina bergman is danish not dutch oh danish sorry <laughs> apologies he, he, yeah, easy easy slip um yeah Dan daniel bernard um he was really good in skylines as well the third <clears> one <throat> um yeah, he had a great role in that and a really good extended uh, fight scene which um, very impressive but um as you say you know um there's a lot of build-up to this film and for I think for a lot of films of this budget they would have been set themselves up for a failure by doing that you know it we, we know what's going on there's, there's gold there's Nazis you know is that um, there may be sort of duplicitous people knocking around hmm. um, and there's this kind of countdown because we know the Nazis are on the way you know we hear it over the radio um, you know this small platoon are heading their way um basically to pick up the gold if it exists and so so the, you know there's this inevitability about what's going to happen at the end for anyone else other than a handful of directors and, and you know jesse johnson is one of them i think you know we've mentioned john hyams before probably could have done it roll rain could have done it um you know um, there's probably one or two others but anyone else I think would have even set themselves up for doom with this particular scenario because I don't think they would have been able to pull off the same level of carnage and action that we get in that final sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, no, and I think the, you know, the um, we were talking with uh, Sean Malloy about it and he highlighted a film called War Pigs. And he was saying mm -hmm. if you take something like this and compare it to something like War Pigs, you know, there's a big difference in the quality. You know, the... Um, um the the standard you get from the, you know, a film like this even though it's on probably on basically the same budget mm. you're getting a lot more out of it you you, you know the, the actors are given given uh, you know uh, not necessarily the people you would expect to see you know somebody else another uh, a director might be doing a, a dtv world war ii film but they might be able to get like tom berenger or something and tom berenger's yeah. done some great stuff as well but but we get quite unique cast unexpected mm. casting in this one uh, and in that case, which also, which all I think works here, Lewis Mandelor is probably the most conventional member of the cast, yeah, because he's you know he, he is an Australian actor, but he's very good at playing uh, Americans, mm. uh, and this kind of role sort of suited him quite well. But the others are a bit more uh, diverse. Timothy, uh, uh, Timothy, uh, give me his name, Timothy Murphy. Yeah, Timothy Murphy. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was really good. I've not seen him. I know he's done a, uh, some stuff recently, including a film with Bruce Willis uh, called uh, American Night or something. Is it, mm -hmm. Or am I confusing another one? Oh, Siege, American Siege. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, I, I haven't seen that. But I really liked him in this. He, re he reminded me a lot of Ed Harris. Mm. Uh, he's he's again he's he's a sort of I, I don't know much about him or how long he's been around. But you know he's he's an older guy. He's been around the block. He's quite weathered and cynical and stuff. And that you know he he plays that role really well here. Um, another thing I just wanted to mention was that 
this film is uh, in large part subtitled, which is also a, a, quite a risky thing. I mean, it's more acceptable yeah. now, but still for a, for a filmmaker trying to pull together a film on a low budget, you would generally go say, well, let's, let's just shoot this all in English. Yeah. You know, how many, how many films yeah. have we seen set mm -hmm. in Germany that was all shot mm -hmm. in English or, or whatever it is, um, all the, all, whether there are different um, language, you know, different language speakers, mm -hmm. you know, or not. Uh, in this case, they do um, speak English, but they also uh, speak their own languages of French and German. And uh, that all works really, I mean, most of Dominic Vandenberg's scenes are all in French, you know, mm. he has long scenes and there's some psychological stuff going on with his character, which I didn't mention as well. So there's, yeah. there's, um, you know, uh, long bits of, and now this was, because <laughs> the first time I watched this on the first screen, I, I watched it for 45 minutes mm. without any subtitles because there weren't any on the screener. So, and I was just watching it for a while thinking, it feels like there should be subtitles. <laughs> are they doing kind of like a, is he doing like a Mel Gibson, kind of thing of where he's like no they've got to feel the emotion without yeah. the subtitles or yeah. something and that was like no i think something's definitely wrong here i've got to ask so i did watch the i've watched the first half of the film twice yeah. um and yes the subtitles <clears throat> do make a difference you can't watch it without the subtitles if you want but um i think uh whether there's a dub track or something but i think you know hopefully people won't be put off by um the fact that it is subtitled Mm -hmm. I know there's a bit of an issue there because I mean, even even you look on Netflix now, you can watch a lot of stuff subtitled, but they also provide dub tracks for most things as well. So um, a lot of people will default to one or the other. Um, but yeah, if you if if you have if you if you don't mind the subtitles, it's definitely quite rewarding to to if you. I mean, I, whether there's a different version out there or not. I mean, you could just turn off subtitles, but I think the you know. Um, the subtitles are not detrimental. They actually make it feel like a bigger film as well because of that. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a, I could waffle on all day about it. It's really good. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, Rich, uh, how are you going to score it? Uh, eight out of 10. Yeah, definitely an eight out of 10. Um, so two eights for Hell Hath No Fury. Please go check it out. Our next film is The Boy Behind the Door. After Bobby and his best friend Kevin are kidnapped and taken to a strange house in the middle of nowhere, Bobby manages to escape. But when he hears Kevin screams for help, he realizes he can't leave his friend behind. Uh, this is the latest film, which was a sort of Shudder original, I believe, um, being released via Acorn on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, it's it's the third film we've been sent after um, uh, Superhost and The Dark and the Wicked, and it's getting to the point, Rich, where I I will quite happily shove one of these in, into the Blu-ray player and watch it without any um, background knowledge whatsoever, knowing that I'm going to get a quality film. Yeah, you know, there is, I, I, I'm, exactly. I'm, build, yeah. I'm building that sort of level of trust in what in what they're curating, much in the same way as someone like the Horror Collective. You know, yes. it, it, it's getting to that state now. Um, this is it's another great example of the old, um, you know, your protagonist being terrorized in a single location. In this case, a big house in the middle of nowhere, where kids are being abducted and um, used. I'm going to say. Um, one kid has been 
locked away. The other one was sort of discarded in the in the boot of a car, but manages to escape. And then you got this sort of cat and mouse scenario as he tries to evade, recapture and, and free his friend. Um, I, I think it's superb, really. I, I think the two, you know, well, the, the main lead that sort of the, the young black kid, I think, is really, really good. And yeah, just really, really enjoyed this. Over to you, Rich. Yeah, I think you're right. The 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 the, the, I, the ones that Acorn are picking up that you can you you can establish you can you know there is a a trust there there is a quality um, to the to you know to the selections that they're making the uh, you know the fact that they're they're saying okay we want to release this film but we're not just going to put it on DVD we're also going to put it on Blu-ray this mm. this this one doesn't have a lot of extras some of them have had I think the Dark and the Wicked had quite a lot of extras it's on got it. a music video. Which is really uh, yeah, weird. it's, a, it's, it's basically music. yeah, it's it's a it's a sample of the score, yeah, yeah. Um, essentially with um, with clips, clips from the from the movie. So I thought it was interesting that they say music video because I suppose mm. it is, but it's not like what you would because I was thinking music. I was expecting like a song to start and stuff, but mm. um, but yeah, you don't get an audio commentary or anything unfortunately on this mm. one, but you do get you know that Blu-ray quality. So. Um, the yeah, so I I haven't been disappointed by one of the I mean I have I have been disappointed by s- films I've seen on Shudder, mm. so I can't say I can't see it. But the the so far the films I've seen that they've that Acorn have selected to release have been the ones of the highest standard. Uh, Which in the window I think would be a good one for them to put yeah. out because that was mm-hmm. that was a really good one. The um so this is a film that sort of it starts out very grim. I mean, you could say the whole thing is grim, but it starts out in a particularly grim fashion. Mm. Uh, and the road it's going down is very unsettling, but it does take a turn. And there's kind of a, a I don't know what the best way to phrase it, kind of like a reprieve because mm. there's 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 a, a turn and a reveal. And, you know, the film then becomes a different, a different mm. experience, a much more palatable mm. one. Um, it, it kind of skirts away from... I mean, it. I mean, it still touches. I mean, obviously, the whole film sort of touches on the mm-hmm. sort of children and abuse kind of thing going on. But it mm-hmm. it, it, it takes it in a in a more uh, fantastical direction. I'm not going to say it's not a fantasy, mm-hmm. but you know, more conventional horror kind of thing. Yeah. There's much more of a uh, no, there's nods to especially particular nods to I believe to. Um, people under the stairs yep. which i think you you picked up on as well not just in the fact that it's a house and you know uh, you know a, a boy versus adults and uh you know there's um what's it the 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 there's not that exaggerate there's not that kind of exaggerated quality that people under the stairs has but it's it is that kind of a, one boy alone in this kind of mm. ex- place where he's trying to you know he's got to try and overcome this situation the um I think that all works really well. Um, the there's some, uh, you know, we um, we don't like stuff with like fingernails and stuff. There's, oh, there's a little warning. bit of there. Trigger but... warning. Yes, there, there is <laughs> fingernail trauma trauma in this film. Um, but you can see it coming, and you, yeah, you, you know, can they, see, they, you, you, it's, it's quite that. obvious when it's going to happen, and you can turn away. But and I did. Um, mm. But the you know, there's there's you, there's much more fun kind of axe swinging kind of stuff mm. in there as well. Um, the... Yeah, I mean, to, I think so. You know, there's a period of it where it almost becomes like a, a really blackly, sort of dark version of Home Alone, 
you know there is a sort of like really sort of gruesome sort of slapstick element to it for for a period but yeah, yeah it's, it is very good thing. yeah so you know it's, it is it is that kind of cat and mouse kind of thing that's happening and tables mm. get turned and one minute you're with one character and then actually something else changes and it, it yeah. keeps mixing it up mm. uh, and uh yeah i think it's um it's it's made by a pair of directors uh, i think it's their first feature uh, i haven't got their names in front of me but they've done some they've got another film actually out as at the moment called the gin which is also mm. a film with a, a, a young boy in the lead um but they've done a they'd have previously done a couple of short films and unfortunately i haven't been able to track them down but i'm very eager to to see them uh, at, hopefully at, at some point because yeah they, they do seem to have a really good eye mm. and a really good sort of awareness of genre and, and and the part and past films while at the same time doing something that it's not fresh and i wouldn't say it's fresh and original you know we've played around in this genre before you know quite a lot recently yeah. you know this idea of like a, a you know okay a large but solitary location hmm. uh being you know stalked around this house i mean you know see for me was another example we did mm -hmm. um uh, held quite recently um one of our recent shows um, another example um and, and probably you know dozens more that i just slipped my mind at the moment so yeah it, it's a well-worn um sort of genre you know a subgenre but they they do a lot with it and you know part of it as well you know especially early on you know it all boils down to a digital watch and 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 sort of the countdown that's on that watch you know um just on, every now and again the, the the camera will pan back to the watch just so you can see how many minutes are left before who knows what's going to happen mm. you know um which, which i thought was really really good yeah um, the directors uh, the writers and directors i should say are david charbonnier and justin powell mm. so yeah okay, definitely keeping an eye on them yeah very solid uh, looks good on blu-ray uh, i'm sure it looks you know fine whether you what you know you can watch it on shutter now if you've got premium subscriptions and and, and whatnot mm. so uh yeah, there's plenty of options out there to see it. It's definitely worth tracking down. Absolutely. Um, just one shout out to um, Lonnie Chavis or Chavis, who plays uh, Bobby, uh, um, our main sort of protagonist, because I, I think he did a good job of sort of capturing the the innocence of that particular character. You know, he's supposed to be like 12 years old or something. You know, sort of on the cusp of puberty, but not quite there, and and just doesn't really understand what's going on. You know, I mean, obviously bad people, et cetera, his friends in danger must help him, but anything beyond that, it's, it seems to be sort of beyond both of their grasps as, mm -hmm. as to what's really going on. You yeah. know, that's, that's, that's what seems to come across. So, so yeah, you know, the audience, there's a scene where he's going through a chest of clothes and there's blood splatter all over them. And, and you know, he's, he's nonplussed by it. Whereas the audience is going, shit you know because there's so many of them you think jesus they've got through a lot of kids something that's quite interesting about this is that the kids are only ever shown by themselves um they're never shown with their own parents hmm. uh they're they're it kind of it's almost like they don't have parents they're kind of in in a world on their own they're kind of um hmm. uh, where, you know the, the, there's no there's no 
they're completely detached from so i don't know what that they're, whether they're trying to make a statement the directors are trying to make a statement or something there but the, yeah. the boys are their own independent you know characters they're it not defined in juxtaposition to any sort of family no. relationship it is interesting because you know they do talk at the beginning about sort of running away to, to los angeles as well but you know the, the pair of them are about to go to a, a ball game i think they're, they're actually meant to be on a team mm-hmm. which suggests that at least somebody's going to miss them you know when they don't yeah because they're, they're in their baseball uniform yeah in the baseball uniform but um yeah, so, so so that was a bit weird. Um, you know, that even even when the cops do get involved, you know, they don't put two and two together and come up with five or something. But um, yeah, it is weird that they, you know, the, the, we don't get that side of the story at all. You know, it is literally just these two. My 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 own preference would have been uh, we we get a, like a um, a coda, you know, an, episode, an epilogue at the end, and I just wish those characters had been older. By then, you know, maybe sort of said it about five, ten, five years down the line, um, the exact same scene, but just have them older. That that would have, that would have made it for me. Mm-hmm. But there you go, just to sort of um, you know show show that there's some sort of longevity to to the situation. But anyway, how are you going to score this one? Uh, I think another eight out of ten for this one. I believe you're absolutely right. Yeah, um, this is this is really good. Um, if you haven't seen it on Shudder already, we, we do recommend you check out Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, that is just stick with eight. that. Just stick with that first half hour or something because it's 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 pretty grim. It's a, it's mm. it's, uh, it's very unsettling, but it it does get it does get lighter. <laughs> yeah, a tad. Yeah, yeah so, in, in, in its own <laughs> horror way, you know. <laughs> it's not a Serbian film, as as Mike was saying to me previously. Yeah. No, nothing like that at all. Two eights for the boy behind the door. Go check it out. Our next review is The Highwayman. When Dick Turpin manages to escape from jail, he inadvertently kidnaps an heiress who is about to be betrothed to the scheming Winthrop. Uh, This is the latest film from uh, Steve Lawson. Steve, and like his previous films, he's working on on a tight budget, a very small and tight budget, and has sort of crafted a script which suits that, you know, it, it, it takes the ideas of who Dick Turpin was, et cetera, but then sort of puts them into this sort of scenario which, which, which suits his budget. Um, how do you get on with this one? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, it reminded me of, some, you know, his earlier stuff that we've seen. Um, <clears throat> But more along the lines of, say, not 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 Ripper Untold, but more like the Fourth Musketeer type style to me. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Um, again, it's his usual usual thing. It's not based on any story or true true tales or anything before like that. He, he's getting the character and just molding it into something. That it can shoot cheaply, quickly, mm. easily, really. Uh, I think there's actually the house is very familiar. I'm sure it's the same one that was used in Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. Again, um, but yeah, it's you know it's okay. It's more it's more that 
the same, more of what I expect from him, really. And yeah, it, it is what it is. And I just wish he'd maybe get a bit more money. Mm. And I'd like to see him with, you know, with a bigger budget, see what he could actually do. Because I do, he does craft the films well. Um, but I'm just getting, it's getting a bit samey to me at the minute. Yeah. Really, I know where you're coming from, um, but I mean, I, I enjoyed this one. It was certainly more enjoyable than the Fourth Musketeer. Um, mm. You know, it, it is a bit less talky <clears throat> than, that, than that one. Um, I did like mm. the sort of scheming aspect of it. Uh, you know, um, me and my wife have been watching Bridgerton recently, and there's a touch of that in this. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, um, with, with this character Winthrop and what he's planning. And stuff. Mm. I, I really enjoyed those scenes in particular. Um, yeah, I, I thought this, you know, is a bit more dynamic than um, the, the previous one. The, the the acting was a lot better as well. Um, you know, I think it's a much yeah. firmer footing here. Um, but I, I, I do agree with you. I, I, you know, instead of being quite so prolific, may, maybe you know, try and get them to sort of merge a couple of budgets together just to give them, yeah, you know, yeah, a bit I more think time, production values. But, yeah, I mean, it's um, not so much the production values. It's, well, yeah, it is, I suppose. It's, it's, I think what I've found with more or less a lot of the films this week is it's kind of like one or two locations and that's it. Hmm, yeah. And, you know, especially with what what he's been doing, like the last four, we've, I think it's four we've watched in about six months, is it? Hmm. Maybe a bit more. Well, Sorry, we're for Untold, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, right. Fourth Musketeer, and now this yeah, one. This so one, four, yeah. four in about six months, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, I really, really want to see him do something, not with more meat on, but with, you know, just, I wish he'd get a decent budget together. Hmm. And like you say, yeah, don't, don't go for prolificness, go for a bit of quality, because I think he's got the knack for it. Hmm. And... I just think he's just trying to pump out too much. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. Um, Rich, over to you. I'm very charmed by these generally. I haven't seen all of them, but I do. I've always been interested in Steve Lawson as a filmmaker. Starting out uh, many years ago, he did with um, a lot of action and sort of much like some more of the sort of Ross Boyas kind of stuff, really. Mm. And then he he kind of disappeared for a while, but then sort of came back, you know, doing the doing a lot of horror stuff. Uh, and he still obviously specialises in kind of horror, but he he's he's do, delving into these other things. And more and say more recently, let's like say that he's doing these films like Jekyll and Hyde, Fourth Musketeer, Bram Stoker's Van Helsing, which I haven't seen, but I really do want to, where he's doing these period stories based on either you know, classic source material or classic legend or whatever it is, something recognisable that people will be able to, you know, click with rather than his, you know, previously all his stuff was original stories that he was, you know, conceiving. And uh, the, the, uh, the, I do think that the, what he's said, that this kind of series that he's doing, has uh, in in partnership with High Flyers, which uh, which is quite unusual because High Flyers usually just buy up films, whereas you know this one these are like films made 
for them with their money, as far as mm. I can tell. The um, these films have a signet, you know, a signature style. They've got um, you know very limited resources, but I think he knows what to do with it. Um, I think Fourth Musketeer was perhaps tr trying that was stretching things a bit too far because you have to have those sword fight scenes and stuff in that kind of story and it couldn't really meet those expectations but the highwayman is different uh, the action is sort of similar but it, it, it's much you know there's much lower expectations i think on needing to have like grand mm. you know grand fight scenes or anything it's it's much more rough and tumble kind of thing in, in this uh, and the, the fight scenes in this worked you know what limited action there was worked well punctuating certain scenes uh, the, the heart and soul kind of of the of these is the characters and the actors uh, and you know the sort of the performances you're getting out of them especially the the more mature actors I think they 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 really do um, manage to uh, get get quite a lot um, out of it and sort of draw you in with because they, they they are essentially set up more like plays than movies you know mm. so you they're very dialogue driven. So you've got to be on, you know, engaged with the characters. I think here we've got, uh, as with most most of them, you know, cast of unknowns essentially. But I thought um, uh, Kieran, if I've pronounced that right, Dave, uh, is it Kieran? No, sorry, not uh, where's where is Turpin? Sorry, Morgan Reese Davis, Davis mm -hmm. as Turpin. Well, I'm not familiar with his IMDb. Doesn't even have a picture. The uh, I liked him. You know, I'd say you've got. I thought he was. He was good. He sort of articulated that character quite well. Um, Molly Hindle uh, as Elizabeth, uh, she was very good. And the um, the actor playing her father, I thought was good. And yeah, with the guy playing Winthrop as well, I thought he, you know, this sort of pantomime mm. villainish kind of thing he was doing worked quite well. And say Lawson does all, does these films bad, you know, costumes, um, uh, limited, you know, sort of exterior shots of you know. Uh, locations and stuff because say it can't it, ha it has to be something that looks historic and you can't be showing you know um fancy build you know the modern buildings and stuff so that, that that's a bit difficult in, in certain scenes especially when you haven't got the resources to hire like a national trust property or something but the i think the the interiors and and that work quite well uh and you know the stories don't outstay their welcome you know you, you could get a you know, mm. it could last a lot longer, but I think an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes seems to work quite well for these. I did enjoy this one as much as something like Jekyll and Hyde uh, and Ripper Untold. Although I think those uh, had, I, I preferred those two uh, from, a, from because of a couple of the performances in particular. But uh, yeah, I, yes, he's cranking out a lot of these. Um, I think probably he has to. Uh, he's probably you know dictated to by the by the market uh, mm -hmm. you know by the by the, probably possibly high flies you know that they need a certain number of films uh, and you know you've only got a certain amount of money to do it which is the classic exploitation movie kind of setup but uh, uh I, i'm certainly not I, I wasn't disappointed by this one i i, I say i confess i was with fourth musketeer but mm -hmm. i wasn't disappointed by this i think i think you know if you He's not. See, the thing is, this could have been a Robin Hood story, with a couple of slight changes, but they've gone for the Dick Turpin. I think that was kind of a, an interesting move because 
you know, I know Robin Hood's kind of done to death for so many adaptations, but it's oh, yeah. very, you know, very easy, very, you know, market friendly to go for something like that. Whereas Dick Turpin, yeah, there hasn't been a yeah. lot well, that's of right. him yeah, I mean, recently. It, 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 is, makes it, stand out. it is, is a good one. As, as you say, um, it's relatively untouched. Yeah. Whereas if, if anyone mentions another Robin Hood, I, I think, you know, the whole world collectively just rolls their eyes. You know? um, when I think yeah. of Dick Turpin, I think of Carry On. Yeah, carry on, Dick. Carry or on Dick, Dick Turnip, or whatever uh, it was. <laughs> see, Rich, you're showing you're showing your age, mate. Because the first thing I thought of was stand mm. and deliver. <laughs> then we'll take your stereo and your record collection. Oh, was that Adam and or... Adam and the Ants? Of course. Adam, yeah. How could you think of anything else? But there you go. Um, okay, scores on the doors, Steve. Uh, I'll give it a six. Okay, I'm going to give this one a seven. So, Rich? I will give it a seven as well. Two sevens and a six for The Highwayman. Go check it out. Our next film is Wormwood Apocalypse. In a zombie-infested Australian wasteland, soldier Reese has dedicated his life to tracking and capturing human survivors for the Surgeon General in hopes of finding a cure. However, he's about to learn some hard truths when he encounters a human-zombie hybrid. Um, a lot of people going into this may not realise, Rich, that this is actually a sequel to yes. another film called um, Wormwood Road of the Damned, I believe. Oh, I think that's correct. Um, which came out 2014. Um, and, you know, it's, it's quite well known at the time because it, 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 uh, the production of that film lasted years, you know, literally years, as um, the, the director and his brother um, spent basically every weekend sort of filming scenes and, and stitching the thing together and hoping, you know, they got the continuity right, etc. Um, and it, it's, it's taken, you know, another seven years. I mean, they've done other projects in between, but it's taken another seven years to, to finding it round two the sequel. Um, the key bit of information that people won't pick up on to begin with is that in this particular version of Earth, um, a meteor shower has affected all sort of forms of energy in on the planet. So electricity doesn't work, um, you know, fossil fuels don't work. Uh, the only thing that does seem to work is the uh, the breath of these zombies, which is why you see them sort of hooked up to machinery and being used as fuel sources for the vehicles and things like that. Um, the other weird thing is is that the film ditches for the most part the two protagonists or the two surviving protagonists from the first film. They, they do turn up at the beginning and then we don't see them again until, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes before the end of the film. Instead, we've got um, this character called Reese who's a bit of an anti-hero because, you know, he's, he's working for this Surgeon General. He's going out and capturing people and sort of dragging them back to be experimented on in the hopes of finding a cure. Um, you know, there's something that he steadfastly believes, and I think that because it's that belief um, keeps us on board with him uh, for the most part. But, um, you know, we do learn, obviously, and from the previous film, we know that... Um, Things aren't quite as altruistic behind the bunker doors. Um, so, so knowing that you hadn't seen the first one, Rich, how did he get on with this? 
Yeah, I've got to write a bit. It, 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 I would have liked a, you know, previously on Wormwood kind of mm. recap. Absolutely. Uh, because yeah. it does kind of throw you in with, at what I am, what I believe must have been the conclusion of the first film. Mm. Um, whether that was the final scene or like a, a penultimate scene or whatever, I'm not sure because it's kind of something, yeah, something along those sort of lines. Yeah. There's, there's definitely uh, that sort of confrontation at the end of it. Yeah. So it, I didn't really sort because I was a bit lost with that bit when it moved into the next phase, I didn't really catch that it wasn't the same guy mm. who we see. So I didn't know he was like a new character or whatever. I presumed it was just a part of the same thing and it was continuing. Um, the world building, I think, is really good. Uh, it's it's obviously quite a low budget, but they've got perhaps more than they did on the original. Mm. Um, so I, 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 I'm just making that presumption uh, because uh, you know the first was like their debut feature. It was probably probably a bit more scaled down, but this one's got quite. It's got a very sharp look to it, especially I would say the the interior scenes. Mm. I think the uh, the outside because the outside is kind of like it's all done like. Uh, and I think it's intentional, like a Mad Max kind of thing. There's, you know, um... it's Mad Max with trees, isn't it? You know, instead of, instead of being a desert, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> sort of wasteland, it's it's like you know you're in the bush as well. Yeah, and they've got all that cost, the costumes and stuff they wear. Now, I, I do like um, uh, the weaponry and stuff they were using. I don't mm. know if it was like sonic blasters or, or whatever they were supposed to be, but they sort of charge up these sort of mm. uh, energy. I think it's sort of like a riot, so. like a riot weapon, isn't it? You know, it's yeah, sort of, yeah, I don't know, but the, the um, not, meant, not meant to kill you. It's like a less what are they called? Less lethal rounds or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, because one of the things I was thinking was in the apocalypse, how is it? How is ammunition still so readily available? Surely you would run out at some point, uh, you know, because people can't manufacture the ammunition anymore. But um, uh, you know, a bit like the older Waterworld thing of where are they getting all their cigarettes from and stuff mm. like that. But the um, I think it, whatever they, the, the weaponry, say aside from guns and whatever, I thought the, the weaponry in the film was good. There's mm. some quite quite nice visual stuff. Like there's a bit where he's they're driving along in the car and they sort of do a turbocharge kind of mm. n- switch on the NOS gas kind of thing. And the, yeah. there's a not quite a nice visual shot of them sort of zooming away. And uh, but I think the the cinematography and the production design is is at its best in in the interior scenes. Uh, it, uh, and especially in the penultimate sequence, which is where the the heroes go into the uh, bunker sort mm. of space, and it's basically a twenty minute sort of action set piece. You know, it's very it's ongoing. There's you know, sort of race against time. Got to get all the stuff and everything. And um, it for me, it felt like it turned into a Resident Evil movie mm. for like those twenty minutes. Uh, yeah. I, I think it matched. I mean, there's comedy mixed in, a little bit of comedy because there's a, there's the exaggerated, cartoonish kind of villain. It, it, it's Resident Evil, except it's shot really well. <laughs> but you there's, you see what I mean? Happened. There's that there's that yeah. whole bit with um uh like an end of level boss kind of zombie, mm. which yeah, is being yeah. controlled by the villain and has to fight the um I believe the heroine the, from the first film. Yeah, the high, the hybrid. Yeah. Um, there's that whole bit going on, and uh, that's a really good sequence uh yeah the characterization it it is it, it does all feel very resident evil but then it, it kind of it's kind of serves as an anti-climax because we then come back outside for the for the 10-15 mm. minute conclu- conclusion part uh and for me that wasn't as good it, it felt a bit you know because yeah because there's not that production could've... design you're outside exactly. in the grass yeah. basically 
Um, so it, it wasn't it didn't it wasn't quite as satisfying. Although, although I think, considering I haven't seen the original, I think I followed what was going on mm-hmm. pretty well. You know, the, the, I think the world building sort of established that quite well, and having that new character, although it did I didn't know he was a new character, but mm-hmm. it's introducing that character and establishing you know he's living in this kind of self-made compound and he's got the these um zombies uh where he's mm. um you know it's all visual where he's got them hooked up to stuff and everything i think that, that i didn't know the the vapors thing and and stuff of that so i was there so i didn't understand that until you told me about it mm. but for the most part i was i was okay with it and i think the mm-hmm. say the costumes production design uh you know the makeup and everything uh, is all very good and i think even if you haven't seen the first film if you pick this up in the supermarket or people any you know if people pick this up in the supermarket they'll be a little bit confused but then they'll be absolutely fine they'll have a while at a time absolutely yeah this is really well done lots of good action sequences in this one uh, as rich says you know there's a whole bit where they sort of storm the bunker they're using like um you know they're using zombies as uh, suicide bombers and things like this it, it, it is really really well done um Thoroughly enjoyable, um, and, and unfortunately, I do agree that the you know the we, we could have used with a bit more at the beginning to explain what was happening, and a little less at the end. You know, they they kind of went past the um, sort of the natural break point, I think, for this film. But on that note, Rich, how are you going to score it? I am going to score it a seven out of ten. I'm going to join you on a seven. Yep, thoroughly enjoyable this one. Um, please check it out, and. Um, you know, to the Roach Turner brothers, please, please don't make us wait another seven years. Um, they have done other stuff in between. They they did the film um, Necrotonic. Necrotonic, uh, yeah, Necrotonic with Bellucci, which which I have seen and I did, I did enjoy that I as well. That. So, um, yep. They've done mostly shorts. Uh, mm-hmm. They started out with shorts, and they've done a few shorts since Wormwood, including actually a Wormwood short because they were trying to get mm-hmm. a TV show off the ground. Uh, how um, I'm I'm definitely going to try and track that down to see whether mm. it's kind of uh it does it have sort of a self-contained sort of little sort of I mean, obviously it's designed as a teaser for a series but yeah. does it fit in to to the to these films or is, is you know is it tangential characters or, or whatever It'd be interesting if i could see the original film mm. and that short film i'd be interested to see how help. the yeah. how the world is sort of being pulled together because i think one would apocalypse kind of ends on another sort of lead in for a Oh yeah, uh, for another film. So uh, the, there's 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 still plenty that they obviously they've got up their sleeves that they want to try out. But uh, yeah, I do want to I do want to. They're actually they're actually doing a film called Sting next, which is I believe about a, a, a like a like a giant spider or, or something like that. Anyway, uh, which could be quite a fun sort of um, different thing. They're they're going mm. for pre- they're working with uh, Wetter and stuff. I think for that, so that should be quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. No way. I'm just looking at this, mm. this thing called Sting. Um, have you seen who, who's supposedly in the cast? Uh, I'm, I'm just clicking on it now. Oh, John Goodman, Jeff Daniels, Julian Sands. That's arachnophobia. That's arachnophobia. They, they, That's they've, literally, they've literally got the cast of arachnophobia <laughs> star in their film about the spider, killer spider. A dead, hang on, a deadly South American spider that hitched a ride to the US in a coffin and began to breed and kill all humans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're... that is literally, if, if, this, if this is the right synopsis and they've yeah. got this cast, I doff my hat to you guys. Um, 
that that is awesome stunt They're casting. They're doing an arachnophobia homage. It seems. Oh, homage, <laughs> yes. So yeah, we shall we shall keep an eye on that. But absolutely sure. I hope, I hope Jeff Goodman sort of plays yeah. a, an exterminator and stuff again. Yeah, John maybe. Goodman. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> if it's anyway. all real, you know, because apparently. <laughs> You know, because you never know how much to believe on IMDb. But the, the, there's actually a news story from um, uh, Screen Daily, and they do actually say um, Cornerstone Films Board's Australian arachnophobia horror. Hmm. So um, I, know, I know that they could be taken, uh, you know, you could take that two ways, you, uh, mm -hmm. just about a spider or literally arachnophobia, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that could be fun. Although I hate spiders, so um, I, I'll be approaching with caution. Mm -hmm. Anyway, two, two sevens for Wormwood Apocalypse. Go check it out. Our next review is The Next Girl. A young woman called Lorian is abducted in a supermarket car park and taken to a remote farmhouse where a bizarre couple use drugs and trauma-based mind control to turn their victims into living dolls. Um, okay, cards on the table, guys. I really enjoyed this. As enjoyed is probably not quite the wrong, right word. I, I like this a lot. Um, it's a bit scuzzy to begin with, for sure. Uh, but the, the visuals in this, the sort of hallucinatory, hallucinatory visuals that we get, um, I think were really, really well done. Um, and up until the mid-credit sequence, I, I was mostly on board with this. There's one particular character who annoyed the hell out of me, I will admit. Um, but I, I could sort of put that to the side for most of it because she sort of flits in and out. Um, but right up until the mid-credit sequence, I was on board and then the mid-credit sequence came along and I went, what the fuck have you just done? It was very, very strange. Anyway, Steve, um, I, I'm interested to hear what you think of the next girl. <laughs> Right. Wasn't what I expected at all. Because hmm. I didn't look into it. All I, all I had was the, the, the poster that Rich sent along with the link. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's talking about trafficking and stuff like that. So you're thinking, oh, this could be quite a decent, you know, harrowing drama or type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then it started... And it's fucking batshit insane. It... Yeah, I'll go with that. It is, it is batshit insane, for sure. But wasn't in a good way for me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> some, some bits were, were, were quite good, like, like you say, the bit where the... Where the, the not hypnotising, but, you know, like programming or... Mm. You know, that was shot really well. I, I really enjoyed that sequences. But it is, like you say, it's, it's scuzzy. It's weird. It's all over the place. You know, you've got... It's like horror, torture porn, sci-fi, supernatural, all thrown in at once. And it lost me after all. 20, 25 minutes to be fair, but I just can't put my finger on why it didn't because I think it is because it's just so outlandish and so 
mm. strange and they're trying to cram everything in there and it just it just didn't work it just didn't work for me at all yeah i i will also agree with you that i i think they they tried to shove too much into this you know, yeah uh, there are so way too many elements to there's there's definitely one character too many in mm. this um to to really make it work for me but um yeah so rich over to you what do you, what do you make of uh, the next girl well it reminded me of well sort of the sort of basic setup and the sort of the core sort of thing they were going for kind of reminded me of the, the game is murder in mm. that you've got this sort of deranged couple at the head. I mean, if you put this and the boy uh, boy behind the door together, you've essentially got people under the stairs. It's, it's kind of, you could, you could, they've kind of <laughs> yeah. split the two. So this is kind of the people under the stairs, but the parent side with the, with the, the crazy sort of parent characters. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a mixture of all sorts of stuff, including the mad scientist convention. Which is kind of the lead part of it. Uh, the it's a whole sort of Stepford Wives ish kind of setup that he's doing, it, but it's all in a sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, sort of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel mm. kind of crazy family sort of uh, setup. But there's you can yeah, almost, there's a lot of know, ickiness and stuff. There, there are definitely sort of parallels between this and Held as well, aren't there? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. you, you could almost mm. imagine the people, you know, the, the, it, within the story, there's there are sorts of nefarious people who are off stage or off screen for the, for the whole thing, and you can almost imagine they're the same people who are off stage in Held, mm. you know, but just trying different avenues for the, for their you know for their ultimate their ultimate goal. Which is, um, yeah, uh, uh, just weird. <laughs> yeah, the uh, mm. I didn't mind. I quite, I quite. I mean, some of the craziness and the sort of the icky, sort of rapey stuff. Not, mm-hmm. not, not such a fan of. But the sort. I think the, the lead actor, um, Marcus Jean Perret, who's a, uh, a British actor. Mm. Uh, I think he plays the role of Heinrich quite, quite well. He he was actually. Um, I don't know if you remember the film Bulletproof Monk, but he was the oh. character Mister F- um, Fantastic or, or, or whatever it was, whatever he was called in that. Anyway, um, yeah, Mister Fantastic. So the he gets to his character is all over the place, so and mm. he's kind of he, he he plays it so well. He's he's almost sympathetic and, and convincing at some points mm. because he's kind of. Um, you know, he's not just like the mad scientist in Wormwood, for example, who's just crazy coke snort mm. or whatever. This guy's coke snort, you know, snorting kind of character as well. So, you know, he's doing a lot of drugs and stuff. But the, the, he, he's got like, I don't know, ennui or something. You know, he's got that he's got going on that he's um, feeling, you know, sorry for himself and you know, feeling like you know this is really some something valuable that he's doing. He feels like he's doing proper work but then he puts on these crazy goggles and starts you know doing yeah. these you know weird sort of experiments or, or and pre- mm. present and when he's presenting them and all the sort of weird stuff that he's got going on so i think certain aspects of his performance i did enjoy but for the most part i, I didn't really get on with the film I, I didn't like it i thought um it yeah is it 
is there supernatural stuff going on is it is, is it all just sort of the drug sort of hallucination kind of stuff uh wasn't quite sure weird clown heads sort of floating mm. around uh, yeah and, uh, that that was very very strange that was stupid. and the sort of and yeah. the and, yeah the sort and of grimness quite badly done as well mm. yeah but, so I, I'm, I wasn't a fan mm -hmm. but it, that's right but and it, uh, but i think you it starts out with um I don't know if they've changed it on the release, but the, on the screen, the, the original title of the film is Girl Next, which automatically yeah. is kind of an awkward title. I mean, the fact that they've they've put it back, they put it to, they've re, you know, ordered the title to something more conventional, mm. uh, is is kind of telling. But the the yeah, Girl Next is is an awkward sort of title, and it's and it's presented over a shot of a cow mm. in a field and stuff. So it, you know, it's mm. it's a very it's a direct it's a very artfully yeah. minded director isn't it this uh, Larry, Larry Wade Corral is clearly going oh definitely yeah some, yeah some of the stuff in there yeah but, uh, I think I think the girl next thing is to try and evoke this idea of like this uh, assembly line kind of thing you know mm. which is ki kind of what they're sort of you know try trying to present this whole si situation as but why not next yeah. girl? See, what, why, why put mm. it as girl next? It's an because it's, it's, it's almost clearly... like that's how you'd see it on an invoice kind of thing. It's, it's like how you'd see it on an inventory. You know, it's it's that sort yeah. of thing. But whereas, um, because you know, all, all all of the the dolls are called Sophia. You know, it's, it's just like it's, it is an assembly line. What they're sort of trying mm. to do. She just happens to be, yeah, sort of next one up. So. Yeah, I, I can kind of see why that they, they went with that particular, you know, title rather than the next girl, which is just like, I don't know, sort of dumbing it down for English audiences as usual. So it's definitely a flawed film as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, visually, I think it's quite rich. Um, I, I did like the sort of central performances. I hated the, the girl who was playing younger than she actually is you know it's almost like this sort of arrested development kind yeah. of situation i thought her scenes just really grated and, until her last scene then it sort of kind of, kind of made sense but no i could have done without her for for the whole thing uh and and i wish also the the people in the background like i said there's there's an on an off-screen presence in this film and I just wish there'd been more made of that to make sense of everything that was going on. Um, yeah. But other than that, I, I I did enjoy, I did like a lot of this, I must admit. So on that note, Steve, how are you going to score it? Um, I'll give it a five. Five out of ten. And Rich? I'll give it a three. <laughs> well, I'm going for a six on this one. So a three, a five, and a six. It's Pretty, pretty spread out. Uh, that is The Next Girl. Go check it out. Our next review is The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. Uh, told in real time, this docudrama depicts the true life tragic events which occurred when elderly veteran Kenneth Chamberlain accidentally set off his medical alarm and police were sent to assist. Um, okay, guys, so we, we, we're aware, you know, of the issues and problems surrounding um, sort of racial profiling and other sort of situations and, and how quick certain police forces are to reach for their weapon. 
uh, when you know the situation really doesn't um, call for it. And there's, there's been numerous occasions where um, police have been called out to do these sort of medical assist um, situations and have ended up killing the person that they're meant to be helping. Um, I remember a case not too long ago about um, a guy who had autism and needed help um, going to hospital. And because he hadn't taken his medication, he was sort of um, stimming a lot and he ended up getting shot. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and we, we, you know, we, we've seen lots of cases of, um, you know, uh, wrongful killings, unlawful killings um, being highlighted with these police forces. Uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to not, not just sort of, sort of racial prejudice, but also because they are not trained for these situations at all. Um, Steve, this is quite a harrowing little film. How did he get on with it? Um, well, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but... I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's well done. Great performances. And again, it's, you know... One location um, film. It's basically the the hallway and the apartment, and that's it. And you've got uh, what's his name now? Uh, one second, find it. Uh, Frankie Faison, and basically on his own talking to either his medical, his family or his medical team or whatever. And great forms. The only thing that threw me was there didn't seem to be a racial inclination with the police mm. until right at the very end where he gets called the N-word. And that bit it seems to come out of nowhere and kind of threw me and I'm like well that's that's a bit of a, you know that doesn't ring true but then at the end in the credits and they actually play the recorded audio mm. from that bit and that is when it really really hits home how harrowing and grim and what twats people could actually be you know what I mean mm. and I thought it was I, I actually thought it was really impressive um, all the performances were great um, again especially his his niece who comes down and is actually on the landing as it's going on and mm. um, but also, you know, you've got the fact that you've got the differences of opinion within the police officers themselves. You know, you've yeah. got the one who's trying to be, trying to de-escalate it, trying to get it all sorted and, mm. you know, without resorting to kicking his door in the violence. And, you you, you know, you, you watch it, you kind of think, can this, the way it escalates, like, can this kind of thing go on? And, yeah, it does, you know. It does, yeah. in, and, and that's I the thing. And, and the thing is with this as well, I mean, no, no crime has be, been committed at all. No. You know, there's no. no crime being committed. It's just a case of, the, you know, the, these police get in the hunt because he's not doing what they want him to do kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, I mean, know. that's the thing, you know, 
my mum's basically got one of them pendants, you know, hmm. if she falls or whatever, she can press it and warnings come round. This could happen to my mother. Hmm. Without a doubt, you know, very easily. Well, yeah. not easily. Obviously, we're not an American. Cops don't carry guns and stuff like that. But just, well, yeah. just the way it, it, it is, it's just, oh, it, it's awful. Mm. It's awful. But it's such a compelling film. It's done a really yeah. good job of it. Yeah. And you can't underestimate the feeling of trepidation you get when police turn up at your door anyway. I mean, mm. even, as, yeah. even as a white guy. When I was living down in, in Salisbury to, a couple of years ago, I was on a new housing estate and the people who sort of built the housing estate had done a really bad job of sort of marking the um, the road names, you know, so sort of where they put the road mm. signs. And for about a week, I kept getting police knocking on my door, thinking I was some ne'er-do-well who actually mm. lived sort of down around the corner. They're sort of banging, you know, ringing my bell, sort of going, come out, come out, we need to speak to you. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, they yeah. come out and they go, you're not him. <laughs> you know. But it is, it's weird, you know, because if they don't even know what's going on, it's, it's, it is a bit sort of going, what's this about? What's going on? Mm. So, and, and, you know, times that by a hundred, really, for yeah. You yeah. Know, someone, someone who's um, of colour, um, very, very crazy. Uh, Rich, we've talked a lot, but um, haven't allowed you to get a word in edgeways just yet. So what's your take on uh, the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain? Well, I, I agree uh, with all the points that, that you've said. It is, you know, it's very a very absorbing, claustrophobic drama. I didn't know the story going in. I didn't actually anticipate what it was going to be, uh, that it would, mm. you know, it was only after the first, like, 20, 25 minutes that I'm thinking, we're not going anywhere, are we? <laughs> we're just staying here. Uh, and it is taking place between... On you know on both sides of that door basically you've got yeah. you've got Kenneth uh, uh, Chamberlain in his apartment and on the outside you've got an increasingly uh, an increasing number of authority figures uh, from the police gathering and you know uh, sort of br br uh, you know banging on the door and sort of charging and you know getting getting frustrated and it all plays out basically in real time. Uh, and they're calling like mm. for backup and stuff like really completely unnecessarily mm. uh, and as there is that one character who's there to sort of give levity to the situation and sort of say you know you know shouldn't we but but he's shot down you know he's yeah. he's kind of he kind of doesn't agree with it he can see the sort of anger and the tension on the on his colleagues who you know they don't like the fact that this guy is not complying. He's not complying. That's right. Simply, yeah. which is that's, simply, all, that's it is. all it is. Yeah. He's telling them to go away, and they're like, "Well, you're not going to tell me to go away." Yeah. You know, I'm I'm the I'm the police. I'm the you know, police. you do what I say, and they've, they've really got no cause. But they they're kind of coming up with these rationalizations, and they're all racially, you know, you know, mm. racist mo racist motivations. But they think they're they seem to think that they they're doing something. Um, reasonable and uh the you know the kenneth chamberlain does just doesn't want to open the door and that's you know for because he is a, a an elderly man he's vulnerable it's it's early in the morning when this is happening he just wants to go back to bed because mm. uh, you know everything's 
basically fine, even when the whole mm. situation is sorted out. And they say, oh, yeah, actually, the alarm didn't mean to go off. And, you know, it was the kind of thing. And they still won't quit based on that. It's like, they're there. They're stuck. They want it. They want to yeah. complete their actions. Yeah. And he won't comply because, you know, he's been a victim of racist abuse his entire life. So he doesn't want anything to do with the police. Mm. He, he probably has, you know, has had encounters with them quite recently or whatever. And he's just, you know, he's, he's like, no way, <laughs> you're not coming in. No, no. Absolutely. You know, we get people who are quite, um, you know, older people, even if they haven't suffered abuse their whole life, they can be very, uh, you know, stubborn. You just, you just, just you know, you know, no, <laughs> you know, just go away. You know, leave, this is my house, you know, <laughs> especially in America, you know, there's that whole, you know, territorial kind of thing of you know you just don't want you know get off my land or, or you know get, get you know get away from get off my porch or whatever it is mm. you know people just don't want their space invaded and and yeah he's very very stubborn he's a he's a former marine uh, and he's and also he's um uh, mentally fragile as well you know he's, he's on mm. he's got his medication and, and stuff and he he's perhaps you know he's he start and he's I know it's it's possibly part of the dramatization of the film, but he's you know he's kind of losing it uh, as the story's unfolding, and they're not picking up the clues. They're not picking up that the fact no. that they are making the situation a million exactly. times worse. They're just yeah. thinking we've got to get in there because oh there could be some there could be something in there that we've got to, <laughs> that we've got to stop or whatever. Yeah, which, and uh, so it's unbelievable. Which, and uh, you know, yeah, it's it's harrowing. It's a very important. I think it's a really important film to see. It carries its running time very well. The, the performances are engaging. The camera work when it's you know when it needs to be is quite dynamic. And uh, yeah, it, it's it was a real surprise because I I, I didn't know at all what it was going to be going in. Mm. And mm. although we have seen similarly stagey sort of set setups before i think this this even though it doesn't go anywhere but it feels like a big proper movie uh yeah. you know more like something like a more like something like a phone booth i would say than mm. a than um uh you know like one of uh uh like you know like a, like i'm saying like with steve lawson the sort of low budget oh, yeah. you know, play-ish kind yeah. of stuff this doesn't feel like a play it feels like a movie you know it, it's very dynamic uh, I did yeah. a bit of reading up on the case afterwards. Um, uh, you know, you can easily find stuff online. Um, there's, there's a wiki page for it as well, um, and it it took a long time to for um, kind of Sun to to get any sort of justice out of this. I think it went um, to appeals court after the initial ruling, like oh the cops didn't do anything wrong really. Um, then the appeal failed, and eventually they got it through like a civil suit. And the judge finally sort of relented and said, basically something along the lines of, if there'd been a more um, seasoned officer on the scene, um, they would never, be, you know, that, that whole thing would be over in five minutes because he'd have known straight away, we don't need to be here. There's no, there's no reason for us to be here. He's fine. You know, let's yeah. just go. We've got, we've got bigger and better things to be worried about. But, but no, there's a black man on the other side of the door who refuses to open, so therefore there's something nefarious going on. Um, and, and tragedy, unfortunately, ensued. Um, yes, it's it's a bit of a gut punch film. Um, and how are we going to score it, uh, Steve? Uh, we'll give him an eight. Mm -hmm. I'm going to join you in an eight. And uh, Rich, I'm going to give it a nine. Two eights and a nine for the killing of 
Kenneth Chamberlain. Please go check it out. Our next review is Faye. A widowed self-help guru spends a week at a secluded cabin to work on her new book, but instead finds herself battling her own inner demons. Um, it's an interesting point you made earlier, Steve, that um, just about every film we covered this week is centered around a single location. The, the, mm. the, the irony is the only one that isn't is um, Wormwood, you know, which, is, yeah. which is shot mostly outdoors. It's quite amusing. Um, but again, here we are in a, in a secluded, isolated location. Um, and it was, it was quite interesting watching this because when, when the, um, our main character, Faye, is on the phone to a publisher and the publisher sort of says, oh, I've got this cabin out in Alabama. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Cabin yeah. out in Alabama is going to be deliverance meets, you know, last house on the left or something. But instead, we do get something different in that um, this is a wholly a one-woman show. Um, so we've got one actress on screen the whole time uh, with no other characters to interact with apart from over the phone. Um, and we get these sort of chapters and these little interludes where it looks like she's on a stage sort of talking to an audience, you know, maybe, maybe for like a book reading kind of thing um, to sort of punctuate the story as it's going along. Um, but unfortunately for me, that I, I found the whole thing to be very tedious, um, centered around a reasonably unlikable character, and sort of how she's sort of dealing with things um, just did not sit well with me at all. So, how about you, Steve? Yeah, um, it came across to me as very, very pretentious. And I kind of guessed the twist angle about 20 minutes in, what was coming. And another, it wasn't scary, to be fair. Um, it was, you know, a couple of jump scares, but they weren't very good ones. And she, yeah, she is. She is an unlikable character, to be fair, but I think that's the point. Mm. Quite self, you know, quite self-pitying, self-loathing, yeah. and the, it was it was the um, you know the monologue. Mm-hmm. Cutting to the monologue that got me. I I don't think it needed that. Um, you know what? I mean, I, I'd have quite happily watched that monologue. It was the rest of it <laughs> that didn't work for me. Well, not because to me, I think I could have watched that, separate, that monologue. Separate, there, isn't there like a dozen monologues? Well, in it's well, well no, that's thing. what I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it's it's a flowing thing, but it's you know obviously edited in or you know, the soliloquy know. basically. I mean, yeah, yeah. So the rest of it is a monologue, yeah. as you say. But, um... And I think separately, I think it, it, it could have been okay, but putting them together and how they did it, 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 to me, it brought the flow of the movie in a way. And, you know, it just kept coming to it like a dead end and then carrying on five minutes later. Mm-hmm. And it was just, wasn't 
I don't want to spoil it, but it's not a supernatural thing to me. Mm. You know, it's it's more a meditation on grief and alcoholism and things like that and guilt as well, you know. Yeah. And in that in that respect, what wasn't really kind of what I expected. And but it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it should be. There's a, there's a couple of films that which popped into my head watching this. So one is um, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives Upstairs. And the other one is um, The Last Will and Testament. Last Will mm. and Testament of uh, Rosalind Lee. That was it, The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. Which were, were again, you know, one-handers basically yeah. uh, for, the, for the most part. Um, but they, you know, well, especially the last word and testament sort of managed to be quite compelling. Whereas I think the uh, I'm the pretty thing was almost as tedious as this, yeah. Uh, but there you go, and and it's pretentious. Um, but there you go. Um, Rich, did you um enjoy this one at all? I did not, no. I think a, a film that came to mind for me was Elise, which was the one that was made by Anthony Hopkins's wife. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which was another sort of artful uh you know story with a quite unappealing central um character. Also say the the title of the film is also their name as well. Mm. But the Oh um, yeah, that was one yeah. But this one, yeah, they kind of the marketing is pitching it based with what the the little bit of horror that there is in the film. They're kind of they're they're really trying to spin that. I mean, in the UK release, it, 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 there's a there's a horror. The the post, you know, the artwork has some horror overtones. But if you look at the, if you go to IMDb and you see the poster, it's like it's like The Grudge or something. You know, it's like yeah. full on, you know, real sort of horror kind of completely not representing what the film is at all. Um, because I think the film is not appealing. Uh, it's uh, I think yeah, I think yeah, I think um, Steve's right. You're highlighting those those themes that it, you know that you know that it is exploring those things. It's you know it's a character study or a meditation or whatever. But I didn't like I didn't like the character and I didn't like the stuff she was saying. I, just, I was just like, oh, is she go? She's just rambling on. And mm. um, unfortunately, the, you know the actress is giving her all, obviously. And I've got nothing against the actress, but it was for me not not particularly. I wasn't. I wasn't interested or engaged with with it. I think there's potentially a good short film in here. I think you know, like um, you know, especially with the like the horror themes and the way they connect to the, the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned this name a couple of times recently, but the short filmmaker Dylan Vibart would yeah. would handle this yeah. much better uh, within like ten, fifteen, maybe thirty minutes. Uh, could would would I think would have been able to pull it off. Um, but perhaps not with that kind of one woman show, like you say, kind of thing mm. uh, that the film has got. So it's a bold move, and I think you know it's uh, it's you know particularly it is unusual to have a film with such you know with such a small cast that that is basically one person on screen is mm. all you get. Um, apart from say a few supporting players in the back, I don't, I think is. Does anyone else appear on screen that you remember? No, 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 no one else does. Yeah. No, no. One. so it's which again kind of 
um, reinforces that kind of thing that they're going for in the movie. It's like she is in her own world. She's isolated and she's mm. in her own world and, you know, she's disconnected from other people. Uh, you know, the only pe people she's talking to are essentially not there or you know over the phone you know she's there's the stuff in the theater where she's on the stage is she talking to some you know an, an audience mm. we're not quite sure we're not we don't mm. know um is is it in her mind or whatever there's all sorts of psychological is it something that's happening before or after the events that are taking place in the cabin we don't know but it's quite kind of yeah that's the film is making some points which is fair but I just don't think it was engaging. It, it didn't, it wasn't, you know, it's very low budget, which is fair enough. Um, mm. But it didn't, it, it just couldn't pull it off for me. And I was just irritated uh, by the film, to be honest, as a whole. Uh, and that's, no, that's, you know. Never good. That's not good, is it? I mean, you know, mm. you want, you want to get something out of it. And I really feel like I didn't get anything out of it. Mm. Yeah, for the record, I think the the bits on stage, I think they happen after what we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, um, for, you know, which again sort of put me in mind that, you know, what we're seeing, there's going to be kind of a happy ending. She's going to come out of it at the other end. But there you go. That's that's just my take on it. Anyway, uh, scores on the doors, Steve. I'll give it a five. Mm -hmm. I'll join you on a five, and Rich. I'm sorry, I'm going to go two two a two and two fives for um Faye. i'll do that again a two and two fives for Faye. go check it out our short shot this week is twisting tiger a local martial arts master tries to keep his young students from making the same mistake he did when he was involved in gang fights on the streets of LA. Um, this is one of the best shorts we've seen this year, I believe, Rich. Um, we have a, a very good setup and it is pulled off really, really well. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, Steve, what did you make of Twisting Tiger? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I thought it was cracking. The only, I think some of the performances were a little bit not 100% to be fair um, but I thought the choreography was great the shot composition was great and what I really liked about this is you know normally with like gang war things or you know gang battles mm -hmm. or whatever but this really to me threw the emotion in there as well you know with the death of the other character and trying to honour him and it wasn't just all about kicking ass, it was more again, more meditative and yeah, just, just really, really enjoyable actually, it was like a cross between Crouching Tiger and Boys in the Hood mm. and it actually did itself justice, I thought but really, really enjoyed this it is one of the best ones I've seen in yep. a long while. It is, you know, it's a very, very well structured, you know. We, we got the, the kung fu master who's um, been and done it all, basically. We, mm. we get a sort of tragic flashback, and then we get his his upstart um, students who, are, you know, he he wants to teach the martial arts to keep them off the streets. Basically, they want to use that martial arts for the streets, 
and, and you know, defend their order and their streets and all the rest of it, uh, which is, you know, probably sounds really important to them. But mm. when they grow up, I'm pretty sure it will sound pretty hollow. But there you go. Uh, this this does remind me of the work of um, Gino Kang as well. Um, sort of one of the films he made um, definitely touches on this. Um, so, Rich, you curated this one for us. So, over to you. Yeah, I mean, we we we're really lucky that that, that um, we get that there's so many hungry action filmmakers and you know martial artists and and you know uh, yeah. you know very talented people out there to looking to try and establish themselves or you know make a way in the industry that that, that we get tons and tons of really high quality action shorts on a you know on a regular basis mm -hmm. from people like art school dropouts and martial club and and whatnot and uh, this one from team red pro uh is it's a cut above because you know a lot of these shorts do tend to be yes we get the action yeah. yeah, yeah, but they're uh, sometimes they're literally just an action scene or a very top and tail kind of with story, mm -hmm. and this one is a fully developed feat. You know, it, it takes place over thirty minutes, mm -hmm. but it's a it's kind of a mm -hmm. feature film kind of feel to it. Uh, you've you've got those full you know the fully rounded stuff happening, as you say. There's the in the great action, but you've also got the you know the characters and the emotions and the 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 weight of 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 the drama. You know, it's a very, it, it, it doesn't, it's a very, it's a very dramatic film, which we, which we wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily expect it to be, you know, it's, it's paying homage to, uh, uh, it's contemporary, but it's paying homage to sort of classic, uh, uh, sort of black, the black exploitation martial arts films in particular, mm -hmm. really. Uh, and, you know, Jim Kelly and all that. But the you know the same sort of stuff that influenced Brizza with with his with his stuff that's you know, sort of he's done. The um, the central character is very stoic, uh, and yeah. it's the kind of the it's kind of the the upstart uh, youngsters who are the you know the, the sort of bigger performances is saying the film, mm. and they're they're the. I think that that's quite an interesting dynamic because he's his, his his stoicism never really goes away. He he kind of goes through a journey in mm. the story, but although mm. he's kind of the main character, he he's he's the sort of uh, he's the one sort of staying. He's like the rock, you know. He's the he's the anchor for for everything, and he's trying to he's trying to cool things down and and whatever. But when he has to step up. Uh, yeah. You know, that's when sort of things things get very entertaining. Uh, but you know, he doesn't take it too far. He's 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 trying to teach. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be a teacher. And the the whole film is very much uh, close to uh, not not in like plot story and everything. But I think if if somebody saw the Paper Tigers recently, mm. it's that kind of movie. It's got that indie drama kind of you know approach but punctuated with you know very very solid action very sequences very good martial arts martial arts sequences yeah there's one bit that kind of made me laugh in this where um this asian guy sort of gets in his face and sort of like basically reminds him of what he did in the past and i'm thinking yeah but dude it was your knife <laughs> you know 
<laughs> if somebody else died, it was his fault. But it was kind of your your life. You know, you were the one who drew it in the first place. But yeah, it seems to have forgotten about that bit. But um, the, the other bit as well, you know, we're talking about the hot-headed um, uh, students. Yes. And and the one, you know, the one who's sort, sort of kind of like the antagonist, basically. Um, you know, he, he sort of gets in his head, he's got to protect himself, he's got to protect the streets, got to protect his neighborhood from these guys. Um, he decides he's going to go buy a gun. In order to pay for it, he, he basically steals his mate's jewelry off him <laughs> so he can go and, you know, yanks his gold chains off him so he can go pay for a gun, which is just like, just shows you the, um, you know, the bloody mindedness of it, basically. You know, the, the, the fog that's in front of his eyes, but he, he can't see what he's doing. Um, at all, you know, at, at that point, mm. it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I, I can imagine that, that happens a lot. Anyway, we do not score the um, the shorts, but we certainly recommend you check them out, and you'll find the link to this in the footnotes. Please, please, please check it out. And um, I do believe these guys have got other videos, Rich. Yep, T- uh, Team Repro have got, uh, got got a whole load of stuff on their YouTube channel, uh, mm-hmm. including uh, another film. I haven't seen them, but there's um. There's one called Red, uh, Red Rising, Blood and Smoke, which was also done with uh, Terrell Cota Bullock, mm-hmm. who is the uh, central character mm-hmm. here in Twisted Tiger. And also, um, what's the other one he did? It's called uh, Afro Samurai Champloo. But he's done a whole bunch of other stuff and he's worked yeah. on, he's done stunt work on different things. There's one called Mulan, an East Side Story, which has had quite a lot of good um, good things said about it. I haven't seen it everywhere. Everywhere. Um, this guy actually, um, Joseph Lee, the director, he one of his most recent gigs was um, previs on Everything Everywhere All at Once. All right, the so new Michelle Yeoh film, that's the which is the just coming out. Marshall um, Club guys, so. yeah, which which has also I think got Marshall Club guys involved. And I think they did some work on this one as well. There's a lot. Of, if you look in the credits, mm. there's a there's actually quite a few names. That you're like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, that guy. You know, it's, it's like a, mm-hmm. it's almost like a, a who's who of some of the people, sort of, sort of the rising stars, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So definitely, I will be checking out some of some of their other, you know, uh, videos, and also the, you know, those by the members of the cast. I think the yep. um, mm-hmm. Terrell's done some. some as other as we've well. mentioned before, you know, you, you can certainly end up getting lost in a rabbit's warren, but. Um, yeah, please do. Please check out this film. Check out their other works as well on YouTube. Just click on the link below. Our DTV throwback this week is Feast. The patrons of a remote roadhouse find themselves under siege from a clan of flesh-eaten monsters. Um, straight over to Steve on this one. How did you get on with the Feast? Um, it is your generic you know, monster movie trapping people in again one location. <laughs> um, but I did like the aesthetic on it. It's quite scuzzy and not dull, but you've got a bit of colour in there. It's like a, a red and brown mm-hmm. type of style going on. And some of the kills are quite good. I mean, it was interesting to see Jason Mewes get his face ripped off in the first five minutes. And then, you know, some of the interplay with the monster where, you know, they kill the, you know, the smallest one mm-hmm. and then, you know, 
show the body to the other two as a way of trying to scare them off. But all it does is piss them off even more because they basically kill the kid. And then the monster, the monsters go and bang over a car and make another kid straight away. And little touches like that elevated it slightly, you know. And it was, yeah, it was okay. Wasn't the best best film I've ever seen, but yeah, pretty enjoyable. I hated this. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. Um, it, I just did not get on with it at all. From from the um, you know the, the the captions that were coming up and the freeze mm. frame, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, didn't find that funny at all. The um, because there's so many of them. That, that was one of the issues. Is so many characters in this, you know. Yeah. So over a sort of eighty to ninety minute running time, that means you're killing off a character every five minutes. So there's, there's no real time to do any sort of character um, development at all in mm. this film. It is literally oh this this guy's getting a, a pretty long scene. Must be due for chomping then. Um, you know, I mean, there are a couple of exceptions. You've got, um, you know, Clue Gallagher in there and um, uh, Henry Rollins was, you know, it's good to yeah. see him. Always good to see Henry um, and these things. But yeah, I, I just found it so predictable. You know, um, it, it knew exactly when the kills were coming up. And mm. I just didn't like the way it was shot either. You know, was, I thought, you know, shaky cam and all sorts going on. It was a low budget film, exactly. But, you know, even, even so, um, just did not. Get on with this at all, Rich. Yeah, and I am a, quite a fan of it. <laughs> so, so I quite like um, the whole um, from dusk till dawniness. I guess of the, of it really. I mean, it is basically uh, not that you know from the second part of from dusk till dawn where they're in the mm. uh, where they're in the, the bar. twister. Yeah, yeah, and that whole where all the chaos is used so basically you've got no setup here you, it literally just launches in there's no explanation of what the monsters are where they came from or anything it's mm. it's just uh you're in the bar they're under siege and then it's all going to kick off and the film tries to you know play with expect play with the genre and expectations of what's going to happen and perhaps it does try a bit too hard in the you know sort of Oh, you didn't think we'd ever do? You know, we couldn't possibly do that, could we? Kind of, mm. kind of thing, and you know, t- trying to be a bit um, uh, coy, to sort of, yeah. And well, no, just mm. sort of being a bit brash and, mm. uh, you know, sh- doing things like having, you know, uh, in being quite in your face. Yeah. You could say it's an obnoxious yeah. film. Uh, That's what the, I meant. Yeah, the yeah. opposite of coy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the um, it's. I, th- I like the cast. I like the, the way the film looks. Um, so I think it's got it's 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 that mid-budget sort of low-budget kind of look to it. I mean the, the the they've got some good solid camera work and you know nice widescreen. You know it's got that it's got a look that suits the films of the period, which also came from Dimension Films, uh, which also made uh, Dust Till Dawn. The uh, I like the uh, the makeup effects and everything's really good. I'm not into gross out and stuff, so I can take all you know mm. stuff with giant monster genitals and stuff. Not really particularly interested in that. Uh, even when they did it on the boys recently, you know, it's not. Um, it doesn't make me laugh or, or, or anything. It's, it's just you know, um, it's not really my humour. But this is the guy who made Piranha Three Double D. So mm. um, you know, you, can, mm. if you if you know that going in. But the thing, the other thing, I you know, th- this is written by. Um, 
Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton, who are responsible for a, a, a quite, you know, as writers specifically, responsible for quite a lot of other films that I've really enjoyed, including uh, they've done The Collector and The Collection, uh, mm-hmm. Collection I like specifically, yep. and um, also a whole bunch of Saw movies they worked on. And uh, I've, I've, I watched a... Um, I watched a short film because they've 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 done various things, but they wrote a short film called um, Oh God, uh, I'm losing it now. Can't remember uh, the candidate with um, Robert Picardo, which was based on a short story. I just watched it recently. I put it put the, put the link on the old um, short shots Twitter and stuff. It's got Meghan Markle in, funnily enough, back when she was an actress. That's from like uh, 2010. But they, which is funny because that's that short uh, brief digression is actually quite different to what you would expect from them because these guys do sort of gross horror that's what they do and this and that short film is is not that um but the uh yeah so john gulager who a uh, clue clue's dad uh, sorry clue's son mm-hmm. is uh, the director here this all came out uh, as the result of a series called project Greenlight, uh which I don't know the ins and outs of uh, specifically because we didn't we, they didn't show it over here. Uh, although our friend Sean Malloy sort of filled us in on some of it, but whether it was a reality show kind of thing where people mm. or whether the, the uh, quite ha- how they picked the projects and stuff, but I I, I think they followed the production through uh, on that series, uh, which could potentially be more interesting. Uh, I know uh, I think Sean found it more interesting the because he didn't like the filming so, um but the uh yeah i thought the the action and stuff okay you can't see some stuff but um and they never really show the monsters very clearly but i kind of think that's the point they're trying to obscure them so you uh when there's a little baby one you you get a good look at that but when it's a grown-up it's and they look covering themselves in yeah skins and and whatnot they're doing to sort of you don't you're not quite sure and they're, they're sort of um unknowns you know there's no sort of way of you know discerning what they are or where they came from or, or anything um, but balthazar getty uh as the as probably the highest profile member of the cast that don't haven't seen him much lately but uh, he, here he's kind of that sort of uh unlikable uh sort of he's playing like a stephen he, he's a bit like a mm. he's a bit like stephen dorf in this i think yeah. uh but he's yeah his character is essentially supposed to be sort of a rogue a rogue hero of a sort um uh, as, as 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 a lot of them are because this is a a bar with essentially a whole bunch of you know uh, down and outs and sort of wasters and stuff really there's there's like an old grandma alcoholic character and uh, the uh the uh, the uh, um uh the waitress who's you know sort, sort of just trying to get out of town and the uh the uh, Henry Rollins cast against type as a motivational speaker. I thought it was mm. quite fun. I quite like the cameos. I thought I thought Steve would get a kick out of Jason Mewes being yeah. in it because I'd actually completely forgotten he was in it. Uh, I'd, for- I'd completely forgotten Tretch or Treach or however we pronounce his name uh, f- uh, from um, uh, Naughty by Nature, wasn't it? And but specifically, um, he teamed up with Steven Seagal in Today You Die and different things like that. I'd forgotten he was was going to have a role in it as well and stuff and i quite like the mm. 
I don't know. I quite like the whole. I just think it's fun, quite a, a breezy, fun, you know, gross uh, horror movie. Uh, obviously, um, I'm much more fond of it than uh, than Mike is. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. I, I remember looking uh, on IMDb, and I, I know there are two sequels to this. The first sequel is called Sloppy Seconds, which which um, mm-hmm. just tells me everything I need to know. Basically. And the third one is called. Happy finish. Yeah. So yeah. they're going for a theme there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the Mark, sequels. Interestingly, the sequels are directed by Gallagher as well. Yeah. Which you don't see that often of of you know because Dimension were making a lot of films and then putting out DTV sequels of them for pretty yeah. much everything from from Dust Till Dawn to Mimic. Uh, and, and, and Pulse and what have you. So it's kind of inevitable that they did it with this. But, but I guess Gallagher wasn't, you know, because this wasn't a big hit, mm. his career didn't kind of go to the next level. So they were, you know, they could easily just get him to to, to sign on and do those other films. So you say Piranha Double D, again, that wasn't a successful film really either. Mm. But that was probably the biggest film that he's done, I would say. I haven't actually seen it. Actually, um, I've only seen the first one. I, did, I didn't. I didn't get. To, mm. I, I still haven't come across it. But the. Um, uh, I think he's quite. I think he handles this material quite well. I think he's a reasonable director. I think the sequels definitely uh, are not, are not as good because they don't have that strong visual quality and the sort of uh, the same amount of money for the visual effects and everything and some sort of some some stronger actors. So they're much more um, typical DTV, whereas this is a film that was made for the cinema. And it just, in the UK, it just didn't, because it wasn't a big success, it didn't get some release, but it does feel like a, a movie you would have watched in, you could have watched in the mm-hmm. cinema. It's, it's got that budget quality to it. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of time for the writer, Marcus Dunstan, I must admit, as you, you, you mentioned too there, that, you know, the, Collector in the collection. Um, they wrote also, a novel as well, I think. Well, and he's written the third one called The Collected, which is. Um, fingers to, crossed that that will get going to made. production. But he, he did another one, I don't know if you've seen it, Rich, called The Neighbor. Yeah, well, I think we talked about it on this show. Did we? I believe I think so. so. No, I, don't, I don't think we have yet. No? no. Well, we've, we've definitely seen it. <laughs> well, I've seen it. I don't, um, just checking to see if you had. But yeah, um, yeah, Samarka's, uh, I've definitely got a lot of time for his stuff. Um, really impressed with his, his uh, work. Um, John Gulligan, not so much, although I will give his new one a, um, a try when it, when it finally gets released. Well, there you go. Okay, we do not score the, um, the DTV throwbacks, but we do recommend you check them out. Even if I don't like it myself, I still think people should check it out, give it a watch. Um, currently available on um, Freevee, uh, what used to be IMDb TV. So, barring a couple of advert breaks, it's free to watch. Um, yeah, pretty decent quality overall, I thought. Um, so, there you go. And that is the end of this week's show. So, thanks for Rich and Steve for joining me. No problem. No problem. No problem. Uh, so Even if a couple of those films were a real endurance test. They were a bit yeah. of an endurance test, unfortunately. But, you know, that's what we're here for. We, we watch them, so you may not have to. Um, other than that, thanks for checking us out. Check us out on uh, Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. Also, our sister show, The Short Shots, 
where Rich puts a new link to a new film every evening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.